things are going to happen and you're going to need to go back to a contract that I like to refer as to a living document. You're listening to Take It Personally, a podcast about the personal side of business and the art of standing out. I have been lucky enough to have Paige with the legal page on the podcast in the past. You can find her on episode 18, what you should know about contracts for your business. And she is back today. And we are talking about the three clauses that a lot of creatives are forgetting when it comes to their contracts. This is a really good conversation. Paige sheds light on some things that I wasn't even really thinking about. And I feel like my contracts are pretty locked tight. She just has some really good points um, when it comes to contracts for your business, protecting yourself, also protecting your clients. I'm also really excited because we are getting this episode up right before Paige is having a really fantastic Black Friday sale in her shop. She sells absolutely killer contracts that are fantastic for creatives. I know a lot of the time it's not completely realistic to work with a contract attorney and draft up uh, contracts for your business, it can be really expensive. And Paige makes it a lot more attainable for people to do exactly that. So she's got contracts and clauses and all of the legal things that you might need in her shop. Um, really, she's got everything you could possibly need. I cannot tell you how many times I have referenced her shop uh, for clients of mine who are looking for something really specific and Paige probably has it. So anyway, Um, This episode is going to air right as that sale is going live. And I will talk more about that sale in the ad today, as well as at the end of this podcast. So if you need contracts for your business heading into the next calendar year, you want to make sure that you are legally legit. Paige can help you out. More to come on that. So enjoy this conversation with Paige from The Legal Page. When I first started my business, there were two things that literally kept me up at night. And these two things were taxes and contracts. So as soon as I was in a place where I could essentially outsource those things and not have to worry about them and hire an expert, I did just that. And at the time I had to spend all this money on working with an attorney. And it was a lot of time, a lot of back and forth for someone who didn't totally understand my business. And I'm so glad now that places like the legal page contract shop exist. So creatives don't have to go through the headache that I first went through when I was starting my business. The legal page serves as a contract template shop and a free educational online resource platform for entrepreneurs. The legal page's mission is to empower fellow small business owners with a rock solid foundation. They believe that the legal side of small biz ownership doesn't have to feel overwhelming. In fact, they've made it effortless and approachable so you can protect yourself from all the what ifs and get back to doing what you love. Their motto? teaching you the legal way to run your business without breaking into hives. As you'll hear on this episode, the Legal Page Contract Shop is offering a killer Black Friday sale. And if you're listening to this before or on Black Friday 2022, you can still get in on a great deal and get an even better deal with the code MADDIE10. Again, that's the code MADDIE10 for an extra $10 off an already amazing deal on contracts to get you legally legit. Paige, thank you so much for joining me today on Take It Personally. Yeah, thanks for having me again. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. I'm thrilled to chat with you. It's been a while since we talked last. So 
for um, those who are tuning in and maybe are new to you, can you give a little bit of an introduction as to who you are and what you do? Of course. So hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in today. My name is Paige Griffith. I'm the owner and lead attorney behind the legal page. We are a legal education platform for online small business owners. We have lots of free resources. I have my own podcast, the legal page podcast. If you want to like dive in further into like massive legal topics, or you have a specific legal topic that you need additional education and information on, we have blogs, we have a YouTube channel as well. If you would rather, you know, read, listen, or actually view a video to your pleasure of education and knowledge, we have all of those. We also have a Facebook community that's free, the legal page community on Facebook. You can join if you're a business owner and my legal team and I answer questions. Um, so that is the free legal education that we give. I love, 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 and have a huge passion for helping small business owners kind of embrace their own chief legal officerness and really be their own legal departments. Cause a lot of people are solopreneurs or they have small, really small teams or just like contractors and virtual assistants, and they don't have access to good legal information. They don't even know what to talk to an attorney about or who to talk to. And so I really try to bridge that gap, especially for creatives. And then, of course, we also sell legal contract templates and documents on our shop. So when you're in need for getting a certain clause to add to your existing contract or you need those cancellation or termination documents and you don't have them in your legal toolkit, we have them readily available for you. Awesome. Fantastic. Yeah, you, you do such a good job of bridging that gap. Since talking with you the last time that we spoke on the podcast, I've had my own experiences with local attorneys and ended up finding someone who I really get along with. But in order to get there, I made a decent amount of mistakes and really found that like I wasn't asking the right questions and the person who I was working with didn't understand my industry. And I didn't really even think that that could be an issue, but it is. And so to have you who's an attorney, but also a creative, what an asset to the creative community. Well, thanks so much. Yeah. It's really interesting. You know, back when I first started the legal page and was getting into, I ran my own photography business for a while. I just really saw that everyone was kind of DIYing it and Googling and like trying to figure out a contract through their colleagues. Um, and no one really talked to an attorney, let alone had the funds to pay for a one-on-one -on -one attorney. A lot of people can't afford that as, you know, small business owners and solopreneur creatives. So um, I, you know, I looked at the legal community as a whole and was like, okay, there's people who specialize in like medical malpractice. There's people who specialize in like family law. There are people who specialize in like very specific employment law matters. I can specialize in small business and contract law specifically for online business owners. It's just a need that came very quickly, right, to our economy um, over the past five to 10 years. And so, as many of you have seen as well, there's just, there's lots of new virtual attorneys out there. And I, I think it's so awesome that people are really starting to help online business owners in a virtual capacity throughout the legal community because it's been needing to happen for some time. I feel like doctors and nurses and CPAs did it way before us. And we were just like <laughs> trudging through old, like legal, this is how we do it. And we're not going to change things. And you just, the law world has a hard time with change. Um, but I think we're getting there and it's so nice that there is a lot more access to virtual attorneys nowadays. Definitely. 
Yeah, I have been so surprised in conversations with my attorney where like I'll mention something of like how my business is ran, like the online part, or uh, we we developed contracts for the studio that I lease out. And oftentimes she understands what I'm doing, but she'll say there isn't law around this yet. So, oh, we, yeah. you know, and that happens all the time. And I'm just like, what is going on? Yeah, it's it's such a gray area. I mean, it's going to continue to be a gray totally. area because legal precedent and case law just it takes a while to accrue in the court systems. So I, I would say that we will probably see things over the next decade. But again, it just takes time. And the one thing that I always tell people, Maddie, I'm glad you brought this up, is while we just think it's going to appear and we're going to have like a, a I guess like a an SOP on what to do with online businesses um, through case precedent, actually small business owners in the online space don't bring lawsuits enough or claims enough and they don't come to fruition. So if you think about it, if we don't have cases that go to court and there isn't an outcome or there's everyone just settles, we're never going to have case precedent. We're never going to have laws on this subject. Um, So we're really leaving it to like state governments and those type of things to make laws. Uh, We see them come down a lot with like, you know, taxing digital products or things along those lines. Like they're they're, they're starting to pick up speed with, oh yeah, we need to take note of the online industries and service businesses there. So uh, yeah, it's, it's been fun to see. So, you know, to boil that all down, it's been fun to see over the past few years on how things have exponentially just changed direction for the legal world. Yeah. And that's, that kind of tees up well, what we're talking about today. I think, you know, with the legal world, I have definitely realized over the past, you know, over the course of owning a business, how much nuance there is and kind of things that, you know, everybody at the beginning will tell you, oh, make sure that you have insurance, make sure you have contracts, make sure you have all these things. And then the deeper you get into it, the more that you're like, wow, there's a lot here. And so one of the things that I want to talk about today are different things to make sure that you're considering and that maybe people, specifically creatives, are not considering when they're working on contracts and kind of have you shed some light on that. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about this too. The one is I'm going to start this. I want everyone to know my philosophy on contract drafting and being a small business owner. It is an evolution. It is a journey, not a destination, especially with contracts. So you're always going to have, right, like a base client contract or um, a suite of contracts that you use in your legal toolkit. But I don't want you to think that once you get those, you never need to change them <laughs> or modify them because your business is a journey, your client experience and working as a service-based business owner, for the most part, for everyone who's tuning in is an evolution. It changes. Things are going to happen and you're going to need to go back to a contract that I like to refer as to a living document. Mm. And with this living document, it may need to like be malleable throughout the time of you changing your offerings or working with clients or setting different boundaries. Once you start working with certain clients, you realize, oh my gosh, I thought my contract set me up for success. And it did. It got me about 85% of the way there, which is great, right? That's why you have a contract. Um, But don't think that it never needs to be tweaked or looked at pursuant to your business policies and ethics and the way that you decide to change your business as well. 
That's such a good point. I'm so glad you brought that up. This is incredibly embarrassing, but I did my first contracts, you know, probably close to 10 years ago and then just redid them again last year, 10 years later. And I was like, oh my God, I haven't been protected in six years. I wasn't keeping up on it. And it was, it was a kind of a punch to the gut. I mean, I'm glad it's done now, but Well, that's a good testament to everyone listening too. like, you know, you could wait a decade or I tell people like at least every year, uh, every couple of years, maybe two years max. But I always tell people like sit down, especially during the winter season. It's a great time. A lot of people have a little bit more time to work on the back end of their business. Um, And this is going to tee up what we're talking about really well today. This is a good transition. I don't even know how I came up with it, but it's like. sit down and be like, okay, what has happened over the past year? Is there anything I need to tweak in my contract? Is there any clause that isn't specifically clear enough to address that client issue that I had? You know, it's probably not like a legal debacle or you're not like having claims being filed against you, but you probably had some like client confusion or client questions throughout your working relationships with them. And those just need to be cleared up in your contract. It's as simple as going back to the drawing board, reading through it and being like, is there anything I need to add? Or is this clear enough? Do I need to just modify some language? So my client understands it a bit better, or they need to initial that clause because it's come up five times this year for certain clients. Definitely. So what's a good example of a clause like that? Yeah. One of the things that happened this year that has been really interesting is like ghosting and communicating with clients. I think the whole, right. The past couple of years, we've seen a massive, massive shift over to everyone going virtual, which means your communication is primarily via email now. And there isn't a lot, I think people are setting boundaries on like texting and DMing and those type of things. So a communication clause is the very first thing I want people to look at here at the end of 2022 and moving into 2023. One, do you have a communication clause in your contract that sets those boundaries with your clients from the get-go, right? How do you prefer to communicate with your clients? Usually it's hopefully via email. And then explain to them like what your response time usually is and that it is a two-way street that you also expect them to respond in a prompt manner. And you can even put a deadline on it as well, right? I mean, a week or two is fine. You don't need to be like respond within 36 hours, right? Like you as a business owner need to set that standard. You need to respond within 48 or 72 hours or what have you, you know, whatever your policies are. But for them, you need to explain like you are also basically (laughs) signing on the bottom dotted line that I can't provide services to you if you don't respond back in, you know, a, a reasonable amount of time, because then I can't perform my services for you as planned, right? I can't make these project deadlines. And if you're that type of creative business owner, I see this a lot with basically like wedding planners. I see it a lot with graphic designers, website designers, sometimes even like virtual assistants who are working on projects. And then even their like business clients are so busy that they're not responding back. And then they kind of like put that onus and liability on the actual person that they hired versus, well, you're the one that's not communicating with me. Right. Um, So I I would say particularly, I've seen this happen over the past couple of years in the wedding planner world. But that translates really well into these other businesses that I've talked about as well. 
ultimately boils down to ghosting (laughs) and in your communication clause, if you have had issues with clients communicating with you and, or completely ghosting you, you need to have a plan in place in your contract for what that looks like. If you never receive responses back from your clients and they are ghosting you, and I hate to say this out loud, but clients are smart. You guys, they are getting smarter and smarter and smarter. They're reading contracts like silver lining of the pandemic. I have been saying on podcasts and on live calls with my entire community is not only are you having laser beam focus on your contracts now, but clients are too, like they got impacted during all of this. They didn't read the contracts, right? Like they just signed on the bottom dotted line. And then they were like, Whoa, 2020 happened. And I just made a big mistake. And I didn't know what this said. So they are also looking at contracts as well, but they are realizing that if they just don't respond to you and they don't chat with you, that they can kind of terminate the contract without consequence. It's this weird phenomenon happening right now in the industry with clients in particular. And again, you guys, 99% of your clients are going to be great, right? We're just talking about those one to 2% and that's what you're protecting against in all of your contracts and legal documents. So If you've had this happen, even with just one client over the past year, it would behoove you to add some ghosting language in your communication clause surrounding. If I have not received a response from you within two weeks after two to three notifications, I will initiate a unilateral termination of the contract as the service provider. And you just explain what that looks like. I will email you for a termination. And then I will email you again. And then, you know, by the third time you are terminating the agreement. And this really solves the problem of people getting nervous about ghosting clients who aren't going to sign a termination contract because you're not going to get in contact with them. So they're not going to sign a cancellation agreement. And everyone asks me like, well, how do you go about this? And that's what I tell them. Like you, you're going to have to unilaterally terminate, but If you've had that issue, now is the time to, on the onboarding process of that client relationship, get them to sign off on how that's going to work and that they agree to communicate with you. And if ghosting occurs, this is what happens to the contract. You lose all fees paid, yada, yada. So that's a communication clause with some ghosting language. If you need it in your contract, now would be the time to add it in. I love that. I think that's super smart. I've had this happen just a handful of times in my career and it would, uh, it's, they, these are still situations that kind of haunt me. If we're talking about (laughs) ghosting, like I I'm always thinking like, what happens if that client comes back or what, you know, like there was no closure and this would have given that closure. Like that would, I would have so much peace if I had a clause like that. I love that. I'm going to add that for sure. Awesome. And it's just good to rely on, right? Like you have a leg to stand on. Of course, of course, everyone, if this happens to you and you don't have this clause in your existing contract, like do what I said, like that is your process moving forward legally to terminate the contract. But if this is like, what is said is going to happen in your contract, then you just do what your contract says. Essentially you're invoking this clause. Um, and yeah, so funny that it's almost Halloween when we're recording this, <laughs> we're talking about ghosting. I'm like, but um, this is a good, like little <laughs> metaphor we have going here. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yes. Okay. So communication clause. I think that that's a big one. What other things have you seen in the industry lately that you're thinking, oh, that would be another clause that you should add to your contracts? Yeah, this one's not like super fun to talk about, but for some reason it it keeps popping up. I think again, it's just clients maybe walking all over certain service providers 
um, and thinking that they can verbally communicate with them in a horrible manner and just still expect them to provide the services because they signed a contract and all of that is within a harassment clause. So usually harassment clauses are talking about like harassment in person, where if you're providing services to someone in person, whether that's like at an event or whether that's like a VIP day, whether that's a conference, a workshop, anything like that, that's where you're most likely going to see harassment clauses in those type of contracts, because it's going to explain that you can like leave the situation and terminate without having to do the two strikes, right? It used to be a two strike harassment rule. That was pretty commonplace in the industry. And now it's like, no, it's one strike. We don't need to subs- you know, be susceptible to two different harassment violations yeah. in order for us to leave. Like we should be able to leave and terminate services if it occurs just once. But I've noticed that harassment is now really starting to occur even verbally or in DMs or, or if they start like, oftentimes you become friends with your clients virtually, right? You're going to start following them. And then what if they post something that is absolutely unethical to you and does not align with your values and you feel kind of harassed from what they're posting and are not comfortable moving forward? Those types of things need to be within a harassment clause. So not just only in-person harassment, but kind of virtual online harassment or uncomfortability allows you to end your services at that time and really have no further liability or risk under your contract. So just remember that harassment could occur from the duration of the initial client booking to potentially in-person services. And if you're one of those providers, just make sure that that clause explains that it's throughout the entire client relationship, especially communicating online or if you see anything. That's such a good one. And I, I, you're right. It's not fun, but I'm glad you mentioned it because so often when I think harassment clauses, I think of like drunk groomsmen at weddings, but it is so much bigger than that now. It really is. And, um, I mean, I hope I just illuminated for you all that you can feel harassed, even if your clients don't do it specifically to you, right? Like don't send this massive harassment email. If, if they're posting things or you see them at, you know, an event, or there's so many different possibilities here of you just being like, you know, you can be harassed for many different types of things, Mm -hmm. right? Not just sexually, not just, you know, physically. You can be harassed as well for right race, religion, beliefs, Absolutely. everything. And um, if if that's the the case and something just irks you the wrong way that you had no idea at the time of signing and bringing that client on board, you absolutely do not need to move forward with them. And this would just be another clause that would allow you to have a leg to stand on and invoke and just say, you know, I'm going to invoke this clause. I, I don't feel comfortable moving forward pursuant to blah, blah, blah on my contract. Um, you won't be liable, right. For any further payments, but I will just move forward and we will terminate the contract at this time. So, uh, yeah, it's just good. Like I said, you guys, you don't want to be making this up as you go. (laughs) That's always what I'm trying to prevent you from doing. Of course, sometimes things are going to happen and you are going to have to figure out legally how to move forward. But if you have some of these clauses that will protect you in those type of situations in your contract, 
it's really going to serve you well. And you're going to feel more empowered to do what you want to do and what your gut is telling you to do with that particular client. Yeah. The last thing that I would love for you to shed some light on, I, you know, the communication clause, harassment clauses, these to me as, you know, a a layman, someone who's not an attorney, these are boundaries, right? Like that's essentially what these are. They're boundaries in your business. And I think just like we struggle with boundaries in business, we struggle with boundaries and contracts. And, um, I can definitely see people being like, well, I'm so afraid to like put this into place because what if my client talks bad about me? Like we're always so afraid of what our client's going to say about us. And so I would love for you to talk about what you call it a non-disparagement clause and kind of what control do we have over what our clients say about us after they've worked with us or while they're working with us? Because I know so often people are terrified of like, okay, if I stick to my boundaries, what if they talk bad about me? Yeah. I mean, that's what happens with cancellations or terminations or refund requests. Clients are starting to figure out that they can try to walk all over you because you're so terrified of bad reviews. Uh, sucks. It sucks. And legally it's not fun for attorneys to be like, well, there's not a whole lot you can do there because of consumer protection laws in place. There is misinformation out there right now that people are saying you can add a non-disparagement clause, which includes right. Like defamation of character. People are very concerned that you're going to write a bad review. And they're like, I want to prohibit my clients from doing that. Can I put that in my contract? Okay. First of all, defamation and libel doesn't need to actually be in your contract. That's just like a claim you would make if something was untruthful and a falsity, and then you would have to prove that in court. But you can't put something in a contract that says they can't write a bad review because consumer protection laws across the United States, and these are state laws, are very specific that businesses cannot restrict consumers from writing a review if on behalf of that consumer, that's truthful. They had a bad experience with you. It is not fun for business owners to realize that consumers have that right. (laughs) And we are just, I don't know why it's like, we only want good reviews. Of course you only want good reviews, but at the end of the day, if your clients had a bad experience, whatever that is, they have the right to post that Mm -hmm. online, just purely based on laws in place and regulations in place. So just go look that up, go look up consumer protection on posting bad reviews or good reviews, as long as they are truthful. And I would probably argue that if it's a bad review, that client had a bad experience and they're not just trying to defame you. You will know if it's like libel posted on a Google review or they're defaming your character throughout social media for no reason other than to be, you know, vindictive and malicious. Like that is totally different. And what I'm saying there is you have legal recourse if that were to happen. Um, but bad reviews are just that they're just bad reviews. And so the one thing I will say about non-disparagement clauses in particular is if it is a business to client relationship, those type of clauses do not belong in a B2C contract. They absolutely do not non-disparagement clauses that have things surrounding like defamation and libel and like disparaging one another online are in B2B contracts, business to business contracts. So if you're like hiring an associate, or if you're hiring a 
chief marketing officer, if you're hiring, right, an integrator, something along those lines, and it's another business that you're hiring, then you can put a non-disparagement clause in that contract. Also, non-disparagement clauses are usually in settlement agreements. So they're not in a client contract. It's in a settlement agreement where there are legal claims being made either write an actual complaint that was filed in court or a lawyer is sending like a cease and desist and saying, stop this, you're violating X, Y, Z. And then everyone either lawyers up or there's a settlement agreement that happens. It's right. The compromise that occurs before a lawsuit like is initiated, that settlement agreement will explain the terms of you guys doing some type of right, like partial refund, the client is happy. And then they have to keep that settlement confidential and they can't disparage you online. So that is where you would find those clauses, but you will not find a non-disparagement clause in any client contract that we have, like in the legal page shop for those specific consumer protection laws and regulation purposes. That's so interesting. That makes a ton of sense though. And I can see where people would get confused. Yeah, it, it is confusing. And I, I think it, it will happen to you. It's not like if it's going to happen, it's when, which is unfortunate. Um, it's just clients like they'd like to give bad reviews. I don't know what it is right now, but at the end of the day, you can always respond to those reviews, right? Like put your best foot forward and be the business owner that you need to be, um, handle that matter and just move forward. Like it's hard to, for me to say legally, like just brush it off and move on, but it's kind of just part of doing business. And if you get into a legal situation where it's very untruthful and they're massively like defaming you online, that's different, right? Go talk to an attorney and you might have some lawsuits in place, but yeah, not, not appropriate in a client contract, only appropriate in like a termination or settlement contract that you may have with a very sticky situation Mm -hmm. with a client after you contracted with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Those situations are tricky and it sucks to have a client that's not happy and then take that a step further and write a bad review. But when I, you know, after I kind of throw myself a pity party when that has happened and like, allow me to feel my feelings when I really take a step back and look at that, Usually it was a breakdown in communication and that right there is why you need a contract in the first place. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, you hit the nail on the head there. There's, there's other issues at play when those situations are occurring. Um, and sometimes again, I always tell business owners, cause a lot of times being a lawyer, like if I have a one-on-one client that I'm working with, I'm also a therapist and I'm just consulting with them. And trying to like talk them off the ledge a little bit and be like, you have to put emotions aside and personal things aside and realize like there's probably so much more going on with this client. They're projecting things onto you. Like you need to just put your business owner shoes on here and like only act as a business owner in this situation, like protect your business. That's what's most important and move forward. And then we have like five different actions they can take and they take the path that makes the most sense for them. So again, just don't violate the law by putting something in your contract that says a consumer can't do what a consumer is allowed to do under the law, which is write reviews. Even if they're bad reviews, that doesn't mean they're untruthful a hundred percent of the time. Definitely. 
So if anyone is listening to this and they're like, okay, clearly I need a contract. I need to go kind of like back to the drawing board and figure this out. So I'm covered in all different areas, um, but I can't afford to hire an attorney. That's exactly the premise of which you opened a shop, right? So talk a little bit about your shop. Yeah. So we have over 150 full length contract templates that are specifically tailored for your industry. We work with industry professionals that review them and critique them and help us add in clauses from their expertise over the multitude of years they've been in business. So they are really thorough. They are contract templates, right? So they can be used by a variety of graphic designers. So to speak, you may have to tweak them to your specific business practices, but we handhold you along the way. There's memos on the side. We tell you what certain clauses mean. I really want you to be empowered to be your own legal department, right? You're the ones that are sending these contracts out to your clients. Anyway, you're not having an attorney send these contracts to your clients. You're, you know, you're doing this yourself. Um, so you need to kind of hold those reins and figure out, you know, what is going to serve me best and protect my business best. If you're looking for a full length contract, Maddie, I always do tell people this little trick. If you have an existing contract and you're like, does this actually protect me? If you go to a product page, say you are a virtual assistant and you're listening to this and you're like, okay, I have a contract that I send my clients, but does it include everything I need? Go to our virtual assistant contract. Just search for it at thelegalpage.com. The product page will open up. And if you click on the clauses included tab, it's like a checklist of all the clauses you need to have in your contract. And if you're missing like five to 10 of them, it would probably behoove you to upgrade your contract. Um, but if you're like, oh, I'm only missing one or two, guess what? We also have a la carte clauses because I know people have existing contracts and they just need to add in like the communication clause we were talking about, or, you know, a harassment clause that we were just talking about, or a um, term and termination clause. What, you know, what have you, we have every type of a la carte clause that you could just copy and paste and add into your existing contract for a fraction of the cost yeah. of trying to like hire an attorney and modify your entire contract themselves. And then we also have like short form. So if you have your base client contract and you're looking for a print release form, or you're looking for an exclusive licensing form, or you're looking for like a refund agreement or a termination agreement as a whole, we have those as well. And like I said, this is a good way to kind of wrap this episode up. Your business is a journey. You're going to have conflict that arises. And when those do happen, you just need to add a certain legal document to your legal toolkit. And it's going to serve you well in the future. It's not just for that one time. You can use it time and time again in your business. And you know, oh, I, I have that. Like I'm prepared and professional enough to, you know, send my client this refund agreement. We both sign on the bottom dotted line and we move forward. You really have such a one-stop shop. I, I, full disclosure, I'm a very proud affiliate of the legal page shop. And every time I have a client that has like a coaching client that has a legal question, I'm like, I guarantee you Paige has a contract for that. I guarantee you she has a clause for that. And you do every single time. <laughs> yeah, we, I mean, it is insane how many products we have. Yeah. We have one of the biggest like digital e-commerce platforms out there. I think we have like over 320 products or something like that. I don't even know how I keep them all <laughs> straight, Seriously. Um, but I do know them. It's weird. Like lawyer photographic memory here. I know what that specific clause says in that specific contract. So just ask me, I probably know if you have a question, 
And I am very, very excited because every year we do a couple of sales. So if you're listening to this prior to the week of Black Friday, 2022, we have a sale coming up and our entire shop is going to be heavily discounted and there's no code needed. You can go to the shop and get all of your legal documents that you need or additional all cart clauses, add them to cart at a heavy discount. It's a great time to do it. And I always tell people, Doing it at the end of the year is lovely because legal and professional fees, including contract templates and documents are 100% deductible for your business. So it's a good business write-off, right? Send it to that write-off person (laughs) and uh, you're going to file that on your tax deductions when you file taxes next year for this year. Um, And I know Maddie as well um, has a code that she will share the week of the sale and it will give you an additional discount off of your purchase. And if you're listening to this after the sale, don't worry. We have, like I say, multiple sales every year. So just touch base with Maddie or me and my team at thelegalpage.com. And we will make sure that we tell you when the next one is coming up so you can put it on your calendar. Yes. Such a good time to stock up. Paige, thank you so much for being here today. Where can people find you online? Super simple. The Legal Page, P-A-I-G-E. That's a play on my first name. Uh, and I'm everywhere. So thelegalpage.com, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, podcast, Facebook community. We, we do not change the terms. We're not trying to beat around the bush. So it's pretty easy to find me. If you guys have like one-on-one questions, the Facebook group is the best place to ask those just because I'm an attorney and I have to answer those questions in a group environment. And also it's great for like other colleagues and social listeners to sit and be like, Oh, I, I might have that question too, but I didn't think I needed to ask it. And then they benefit from our responses as well. And my, my legal team and I, my associates are, we're all in there monitoring the group. And you can always just email my team too. If you have questions about a specific contract template, like we will point you in the right direction of you tell me your business needs and I'll be like, this is the one you need, or these are the three things you need in the shop. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks guys. Thank you so much for listening to take it personally. If you're a regular listener, you might already know that some of the best conversations actually happen after the show, head over to Facebook and search, take it personally podcast to join our private Facebook group and join the conversation. We'll also put the link in the show notes. And if you haven't already, would you head over to iTunes and leave us a review? This is the best way to let other people know about the show and help us to keep creating content you love. You can also head to takeitpersonallypodcast.com for all the show notes from today's episode and past episodes. Thanks so much for listening. See you next week.